Remember, my citizen legislators, knowledge is power. So let's get started. I'm the host, Crystal Ellerby. This is the second season of Topless Government, and I'll be discussing topics that have been top of mind to everyone, providing an insight on how your government works. As always, I would be pleased if you would subscribe, rate, share, and review the show. My citizen legislators, one of my followers on TikTok, Ion Talas, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, wanted to, um, to learn more about congressional committees. And so they asked, they basically said, we'd love to hear an episode on congressional committees and what benefits members of Congress um, get from those assignments. I agree. This is a great idea and it's very timely. My citizen legislators, we are now two weeks into the new 118th Congress. The House and Senate were in recess this week. Well, all I can tell you from my time on Capitol Hill as a staffer, committee assignments are extremely important to members of Congress. When my former boss, Congressman David Vitter, Republican from Louisiana, the first congressional district, when he ran for the open U.S. Senate seat in Louisiana back in 2004, and he won, we had to begin thinking about what committees he was going to join when he got to the Senate. Now, a great deal of thought goes into securing plum committee assignments. Committee assignments can shape a member's tenure in Congress, and it can take some effort to secure a spot on, on a committee that deals with issues relevant to a member of Congress's district or state. Representatives seek posts on, a com on committees with jurisdictions um, in areas in which they have expertise or that support their interests, the interests of their districts or states. Same thing goes for senators. So I, I wanna talk about um, the types of committees. There are three types of committee in each chamber. Standing committees in the Senate and the House are permanent and have a defined legislative jurisdiction under Senate Rule 25 or House Rule 10, respectively. The types of committees in the House of Representatives. Three types, standing, select, and joint. Standing committees are permanent committees whose jurisdiction is identified in the House rules. Currently, there are 20 standing committees. Now, there are select, com select committees are created by resolution to conduct investigations or consider measures, usually on a specific topic, and are not renewed on a permanent basis with notable exception of the permanent select committee on intelligence. Now, the third and final type of committee is joint committee, such as the Joint Committee on Taxation, they are both, they have both House and Senate members and are typically, con, um, they, they typically conduct studies rather than consider measures, legislative measures. Now, let's go on to the Senate. So as of right now, the Senate has 16 standing committees. And again, we have joint committees 
It includes um, membership from both houses of Congress. Joint committees are usually established with narrow jurisdictions and normally lack authority to report legislation. The position of the chair usually alternates each Congress between members from the House and Senate. And then you have special or select committees were originally established by the Senate for a limited time period to perform a particular study or investigation. These committees might be given or denied authority to report legislation to the Senate. <clears throat> and then also select and joint committees generally handle oversight or housekeeping responsibilities. Now, in both the House and Senate, no member may chair more than one standing committee. Republican members in both chambers have imposed term limits on their committee and subcommittee leaders. Under the restrictions, committee or subcommittee leaders may not serve more than six years as leader. Committee assignments were delayed due to the five days and people 15 manual roll call votes on the election of the speaker. Committee assignments have been slowly trickling out to the public, however. The steering committee for each party makes assignments, which in turn must be voted on by the Democratic Caucus or the Republican Conference. Members are typically limited to service on two committees and four subcommittees, with exceptions for particular committees. The Republican Steering Committee recently finalized committee assignments for the 118th Congress. I know y'all are curious as to how the 12 holdouts to Speaker McCarthy fared with their committee assignments, right? Scott Wong, a senior congressional reporter for NBC News and Kyle Stewart, an associate producer covering Congress for NBC News, delves into those committee assignments of the 21 holdouts. Let's roll down that list and boy, is it a list, my citizen legislators. Some of, the, some of these holdouts receive some plum committee assignments. Others are still awaiting when they'll know their committee assignments. I think there's right now, there's one that's still waiting. Now, the Senate um, was still in recess, but there were internal conversations with leadership about committees. That will be made public next week. Now in the Senate, they have to do an organizing resolution and they haven't done it yet. And so next week we will probably find out that will be made public what the committee assignments are going to be. But I wanna get into the 21 holdouts and what committee assignments they have received. Now remember, in the House, they have the steering committees. Now that the House Republicans are back in power, the Republican steering committee is actually, how can I put this? It, it, it's, it's pretty much the speaker, the speaker of the House. So just, just keep that in mind. So let's go into how Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona fared. Now he is a former head of the Freedom Caucus and was one of the, uh, the five so-called Never Kevins. He will get to keep his spot on the powerful Judiciary Committee as well as the Oversight Committee. 
Now, he changed his vote to present on the final ballot for speaker, helping push McCarthy over the finish line. Now we go on to Representative Dan Bishop of North Carolina, one of the 13 holdouts who flipped to back McCarthy on the 12th ballot. He will continue to serve on both the Judiciary and Homeland Security Committees. Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, a vocal McCarthy critic who voted quote unquote present on the 14th and 15th ballots, was awarded a seat on the Oversight and Accountability Committee, which plans to launch numerous investigations into the Biden administration. She will continue to serve on the Natural Resources Panel on which she has served on in previous, in previous Congresses. All right, freshman Republican Josh Breeshin of Oklahoma, he flipped McCarthy on the 12th ballot. He flipped McCarthy on the 12th ballot. He won a seat on the Homeland Security Committee. Surprise, surprise. Representative Mike Cloud of Texas, who also flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, won a new seat on the powerful Appropriations Committee, which controls federal spending. Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia, another lawmaker who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, will serve for the first time on appropriations. Freshman Representative Eli Crane of Arizona, who voted present on the 15th ballot, will serve on the Homeland Security Committee. Now, I'm getting to one that his name was put in as speaker. <laughs> Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, who was nominated to run against McCarthy for speaker and flipped to him on the 12th ballot, was named by McCarthy as the speaker's designee on the influential steering committee, which decides which lawmakers get committee um, gavels and seats. Donalds also won a coveted spot on the financial services committee, a top panel known on Capitol Hill as a quote unquote a committee. Y'all remember this name, Representative Matt Gates of Florida, perhaps one of the most vocal McCarthy foes during the speaker's fight, who flipped to present in the 14th round, will continue to serve on the judiciary panel. Okay, unfortunately, Representative Bob Good of Virginia, one of the never Kevins, who flipped to present in the last round of voting, has not gotten his committee assignments yet. Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona, who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, was reinstated by Republicans on two committees, oversight and natural resources panels, after the Democrats removed him two years ago for posting threats to lawmakers on social media. Y'all remember when he, it was, the threats were against Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat from New York. Closer to home here, people, Representative Andy Harris of Maryland, who flipped to McCarthy on the 13th ballot, will continue to serve on the appropriations panel. Harris, a physician, will be the chairman of the Agricultural Rural Development Food and Drug Administration Subcommittee. Freshman Representative Anna Paulina Luna of Florida, who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, won a seat on the Oversight and Natural Resources Panels. 
Representative Mary Miller of Illinois, who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, will remain on the Agriculture Committee. Representative Ralph Norman of South Carolina, one of the never Kevins, who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, will remain on the financial services panel, which he joined in June. Freshman Representative Andy Ogles of Tennessee, who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot, also won a seat on financial services. Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, the chairman of the far right House Freedom Caucus, who brokered a deal between conservatives and McCarthy will remain on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, remember this, Perry um, was a subject of the January 6th investigations. He has now won a seat on the Oversight Committee. A new seat, my people. I can't make this up. Representative Matt Rosendale of Montana, a never Kevin who voted present, he flipped to present on the final ballot, will continue to serve on natural resources. Y'all may remember him. He was very like theatrical with his vote. He, a lot of people thought he was going to vote for Kevin McCarthy, but he decided to vote, no, to vote for somebody else. Representative Chip Roy of Texas, who along with Perry who helped negotiate a deal with McCarthy will keep his seat on the judiciary panel. Now we got two more members, freshman representative Keith Self from Texas who flipped to McCarthy on the 12th ballot will serve on the foreign affairs panel. And finally, representative Victoria Spratz of Indiana who flipped from present to vote for McCarthy on the 12th ballot, will continue to serve on the judiciary panel. Now, I want to talk about Speaker McCarthy stripping several Democratic members from their committee assignments. He removed Representative Adam Schiff from the Intelligence Committee, along with Representative Eric Sewell from Arizona from the Intelligence Committee. And he also removed Representative Ilian Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. He can do that as speaker, he has that power. So in addition to those committee assignments that McCarthy made, he's allowed others three seats on the Speaker Control Rules Committee, so three members of the Freedom Caucus will be on the Rules Committee. And the Rules Committee decides how exactly how bills are considered on the House floor. Again, committee assignments are important, are important part of a, um, of a member of Congress, for a member of Congress. They spend an enormous amount of time in committee hearings and markups. So it's important to secure the committee assignment that is important to a district and state. Now, I got to tell you, the fact that Senator, I'm sorry, Speaker McCarthy made these concessions on these committee assignments is just unreal. It, I mean, it's going to be stacked high 
with folks that are giddy to go after the Biden administration. So oversight and accountability is the committee that is chaired by Representative Comer, Republican from Kentucky. Now, it used to be called government and um, oversight and government reform, but under the new rules package for the 118th Congress, it is now oversight and accountability. On top of that, they want to add some additional committees, such as how to find out the origin of the pandemic and also the weaponization of the federal government. They want to create a new subcommittee on that. I cannot make this up. I can't make this up. Um, but 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 look, I, I'll tell you, let me relay a story to you because I mentioned earlier um, in the podcast when I worked on Capitol Hill and I was working for former Congressman David Vitter who represented the first congressional district in Louisiana. He ran for the open Senate seat in Louisiana and luckily he won, well he won because I mean, you know, our campaign was good. We had a strong ground game and we had grassroots all across the 64 parishes of Louisiana. So once he was elected and, you know, we were still in the House of Representatives and he was sent, he, he was still, he was Senator elect. We had to make the decision internally on what committees, you know, he wanted to belong to. And I mean, and there's a, there's a process you have to provide, you know, the leadership with a list of your committee assignments. And the Senate, you know, they have A, B, C committees. <clears throat> so we were, since we were on House Appropriations, we thought, oh, well, we should put it on the list that we want to be on Senate Appropriations. Well, one of the questions that was asked to me from the chief of staff at the time is to find out, was there a precedent of having two senators from the same state on Senate appropriations. Guess what? There was a precedent. The state of Washington, at the time it was um, Senator Slade Gordon, the late Senator um, Slade Gordon, Republican, and Senator Patty Murray, Democrat. They were both on the Senate Appropriations Committee in the Senate. I have to tell you, committee assignments are very, very important. Because you have to look at the makeup of your district, but also you got to look back at what you ran on, what a member of Congress ran on during the campaign. And if you made certain promises on the campaign trail and you won, you have to deliver. You're going to have to deliver on those promises. So it's really, really important to think about first and foremost, what is your boss's interest, the member of Congress's interest? Where does it lie? You know, it's great to be on Senate Appropriations Committee, but I have to tell you, you know, when community project funding was not <clears throat> allowed, being on appropriations wasn't all that fun. I mean, you could find other ways to direct spending to, you know, your district or your state, but you couldn't do it overtly. You could do it covertly, but you couldn't do it overtly. But now that 
you know, congressionally directed spending, which they call in the um, in the Senate and community project funding, what they refer to in the House. You know, it's it's good to be back on House and Senate appropriation committees. And fortunately, the Republican conference voted overwhelmingly to keep community project funding in the 118th Congress. I will tell you this, I'm, you know, as I said earlier, slowly the full committee assignments are being, <coughs> are being publicly announced. They are. What we have to wait on, on, for, unfortunately, is the subcommittees. And then also on top of that, think about the staffing. I mean, people getting staff back on these committees, you know, because some of these committees, you know, the subcommittee chairman, you know, have changed from the previous Congress. And they have to think about, you know, are we going to, are they going to bring their own people in, their own staff in? So we've been hearing, you know, from folks on the Hill on the House and Senate side that we won't hear until like early February. And, you know, that is kind of interesting because, you know, we got the Federal Aviation Administration reauthorization bill that expires September 30th. We got to get that done. And that's under the jurisdiction of in the House is Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And the chairman of the committee is Sam Graves, Republican from Missouri. And then the ranking Democrat is Rick Larson, and he's from the state of Washington. You know, they've worked in a bipartisan manner. I mean, um, transportation and infrastructure is a bipartisan committee, but because there's a nine seat majority, there are going to be a few Democrats that are not going to be on the committee again. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. Now, um, I want to talk about the farm bill. That is a very important reauthorization bill. And the House Agriculture Committee and the Senate Agricultural Nutrition Committee have jurisdiction for that reauthorization. Now, Glenn Thompson, Republican, a Republican, he's the new chair of House Agriculture. I gotta honestly tell you, they said that because of the five-day chaos on the House floor, because of the election of the speaker, it, it, it's gonna delay, you know, getting started on the reauthorization of the farm bill. And I mean, again, I mean, that expires September 30th. So committees are very, very important. You have the authorizing committees that authorize appropriations for a particular fiscal year. Then you have House and Senate Appropriations Committee, which they appropriate funding for the federal government for a particular fiscal year. And I wanna talk a little bit more about appropriations. So the start of the appropriations process, this Congress, I'm hearing there's, I mean, there's all likelihood there's going to be a budget resolution, which provides the top line number. And then it's divided by 12. And that's the 12 subcommittees on the House and Senate appropriation committees. <clears throat> that's what's going to happen. And then the president will submit his budget request. I'm hearing it's going to be early this year. Thank goodness. And his budget request will outline the Biden-Harris, you know, priorities for fiscal year 2024. Normally, the president's budget request is dead on arrival. It is. But I want y'all to keep in mind with the new Congress and these committees, 
the appropriation committees will hold FY24 budget hearings and they will invite the cabinet level secretaries to the Hill to discuss the president's budget requests and they will be grilled. Same thing on the authorizing side, you know, like transportation and infrastructure committee, they'll bring up, you know, secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg, you know, they'll bring up um, Senate commerce. I mean, um, Secretary of Commerce, they'll bring her up. Um, same thing with the, um, the Secretary of Energy. They'll bring them up and they're going to have to defend the president's budget request. And then they're going to be asked very tough questions. One of the things you need to look out for, House Republicans are going to look at all of the spending through the bipartisan infrastructure law, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the Chips and Science Act. They will be looking at that. They will be looking at that. And they will also will be looking at the money through ARPA. Um, that is the funding that helped with the pandemic. They will be look, they, they're going to be scrutinizing that very, very closely. And also on top of that, all the foreign aid that has gone to Ukraine. And another authorization bill that you need to keep track of is the National um, Defense Authorization Bill, the NDAA. And it's the National um, Defense Authorization Act. Now, that authorizes appropriations for the Department of Defense and for the Department of Energy, um, the nuclear um administration within the Department of Energy. That's an annual bill. It's bipartisan. Um, it was passed late in December of 2022, but that's also another bill that is uh, reauthorized on an annual basis. And that's going to be scrutinized. I mean, you already got the new chairman of the House Armed Services Committee is questioning how the Biden administration has been spending money for the war in Ukraine, the you know, and, and, and the war was started by Russia. But there's going to be a lot of investigations, you know, again, oversight and accountability. They are going to investigate the president's son and discuss his laptop. But also another thing that the, um, the Republicans have brought up a great deal immigration and what's been happening on the southern border. Now, recently, President Biden went to the southern border and he met with the governor of Texas and he met with the border control and he met with other city officials that are, you know, the border cities. And one thing is this. Building the wall on the southern border is going to be brought up a lot. But I have to tell you, immigration reform We'll see if it happens this Congress. We'll see if it happens because in order to stem by the amount of people coming in and crossing the border, the Southern border, y'all have to start looking at immigration reform. The president said this repeatedly, we have to figure out a pathway to citizenship. Now I know Republicans do not want absolute, you know, you know, amnesty. And I get that. But there has to be some kind of way that we 
get this done because there are a lot of people from Central America who are leaving their countries because, because of their lives are being threatened. And, and that's, that's the God's truth, God's honest truth. So we have to think of a way, a humane way to getting those who want to come into our country, you know, and, you know, because at some point they'll be, you know, they'll be paying taxes, you know, I mean, so we need to think about that. I mean, this is this is another function of congressional committees. You know, the um, House Judiciary Committee has jurisdiction over immigration. Same thing on the Senate side. So that's something to think about. So these committees, these congressional committees are very, very important. Now, I know that there's going to be, you know, some select committees that will be created by the House Republicans, and they normally only last one Congress, sometimes two, but it has to be within the rules package. But you need to but, but keep looking at this because, again, my citizen legislators, this is very, very important. If you want your member of Congress to get stuff done for your the district or the state, they need to belong to committees that help their constituents because that's what this is about. It is about helping your constituents. And, and overall, it's about helping our country move forward. Now, I know there has been a lot of talk about inflation. You know, are we going to go into a recession? Again, those congressional committees can help with that. I mean, why do you think the Inflation Reduction Act, I mean, it passed. Same thing, you know, with the Chips and Science Act, because, you know, the United States had a shortage on semiconductors. Chips, they run everything, people. They run our phones, they run our automobiles, they run everything. And so we need to get back domestic production of semiconductors. We need to have that happen. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stress this again, my citizen legislators. Congressional committees are very, very important. Members of Congress spend an enormous amount of time in these committees. Uh, especially at hearings and, and more particularly at markups, because that's where the works begins on a piece of legislation. It is marked up on the subcommittee level. And then once it goes from subcommittee, it moves up, it's, it's reported to the full committee. And then the full committee, you know, marks it up. Members of the committee offer amendments to change, you know, add put language, insert language in there that will help out their district or state. It's very, very important. And, I, you know, and again, I appreciate that the, um, my TikTok follower, and I butchered your name and I apologize for, you know, asking the question, like, and just saying, hey, I would love to know about congressional committees and how it benefits members of Congress and why they're important. They're important because having the expertise on tackling the issues that are confronting our country is important. And again, you know, like I said, you have your authorizing committees and you have your uh, the appropriation committees. And one thing that I will tell you this now as you know, a lobbyist at a at, you know, at, at at a boutique firm here in DC, I always make sure that I work with both authorizing committee committees and their staffs and their members 
and the appropriation committees. You have to, because you don't want that fight. Because normally, most of the time, there's a fight between authorizing committees and, a, and the appropriation committee. There is. And so I like to not have that happen. So that's why I do the work on the front end to ensure that both committees are understand the authorizing committee and the appropriation committee understand what we're trying to do. And you know what? As I said earlier, this is going to be a very interesting Congress. It's going to be a very interesting Congress. At note, I hope that you have learned a little bit more about congressional committees, how um, folks have to go to their respective steering committees, the Democratic Caucus, Republican Conference. And, you know, it, it, I mean, it takes a lot of work. I mean, you got to smooth, you got to, you know, you got to let them know, like, I want to be on this committee and why. So I've provided um, a lot of links in my show notes um, that talk about, you know, the procedures in the Democratic and Republican parties for committee assignments. And I hope that you will, you know, take a look at those links and and and, and learn further. I mean, there are a lot of different books out there that could that could speak to you about committees congressional committees and committee assignments. I mean, like I said, you know, we'll find out, you know, the full committee assignments have come out. They're starting to come out. And then the subcommittee assignments will come out. In the Senate, they'll come out next week. And the House is going to be early February. <clears throat> and I got to tell you, my citizen legislators, I'm here for it. If you would like to learn Anything else about congressional committees, please let me know. Now, on that note, this was Topless Government, the Government and Politics Show. If you enjoyed it, I would be pleased if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show. We are on YouTube and Facebook and other platforms where you can listen to podcasts. Production of Topless Government is courtesy of Marcus Donovan, the Pasteurized Chef. You can check out his show, The District of Misfits Show, every Sunday evening. They go live at 10 p.m. This show is a District Dogface Studios production. Thank you, my citizen legislators, for the opportunity to share my knowledge and love of politics. I look forward to geeking out with you again. Whoa.